Welcome to this week's episode of Birthright Living Legacy Podcast, where we share the stories of fatherhood and their effects because there is no manual. We are here to learn from each other as we build our fatherhood playbook. Now welcome your host, Marquis and Crystal Dennis. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as you can see, I am extremely happy to be here. Uh, don't have the uh, lovely pleasure of having the light-skinned wonder with me, but uh, we are about to start our amazing podcast. Thank you guys for sharing. Those of you that are just joining us for the first time, this is the Birthright Living Legacy Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, in the studio, I have one amazing man by the name of Sean Byerly, who is a financial advisor, son of Tom Byerly. Ladies and gentlemen, he is the second generation of a family business. So if you've never heard it before, let's say, uh, let's give it up for Sean, ladies and gentlemen, in the building. All right. Good morning, sir. How you doing, Marcus? All right, all right, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We are super excited to have you, man. And uh, yeah, this has been a long time coming. It's been a long time coming. This has yeah. been a long time coming, yeah. man. Like, you know, like we, we met as like star-crossed, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Lovers. In- <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think as LinkedIn friends, but yeah, I guess lovers, you know, I guess you can fit lovers in there. No big deal. No I big just deal. the first word that came to my mind. <laughs> Star cross something. But yeah, we're now we're cool friends. Now uh, we're cool friends. Yeah, and I love it. Yeah. And so uh Sean is a uh wonderful individual man who was actually on the board for a little bit and yeah. uh had yeah. to step down due to uh his father passing. Um well, yeah, get- he, well he what happened was he became um he had dialysis treatment right so i moved back from florida to to be with my family for a couple years it happened to be where he he started treatment um a couple months before the pandemic started and then you know that just became so onerous to the family that i had to step down off the board yeah yeah and we were sad but we understood because you know this is one of the things that we do is uh you know we celebrate and support dads and you don't have any kids right now uh not married right correct single, single ready to mingle single that's ready to mingle. that's how we do it this that's dude right. is like international we'd be like hey bro you coming to the meeting he'd be like i'm in africa right now <laughs> be like yeah that's all right one, well <laughs> yeah that's one of the big things that i've done in my life that i'm very proud of is is uh, travel so i uh, Happened to go to all seven continents and 50 countries Nice. at only age 42. So uh, I'm on my way. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. I'm 42 and I'm the opposite. I've been to one continent. (laughs) (laughs) The best one though, right? Yeah, the best one. So want to start off in true uh, birthright fashion and ask you, what is your favorite part about being your father's son? Well, that's a big, big question. Um, I think his his legacy is what I'm most proud of, and just how uh, how close we were. You know, my father um, and my mother they uh, it took them about eight years to have me, so they were trying from a, a, a young age. And um, it, the story my mom tells me is that she honestly was the very last time that they dropped in vitro. Uh, and it was either like that was the time they were going to have have me or they were going to the adoption route. So, wow. so my, my parents had me, dad was 40 when I was born and uh, my mom was 31 when, uh, when I was born, but they were trying for a very long time. And then even on kind of top of that, my, my name, Sean is actually, I'm, I'm named after uh, my mom's brother who, uh, was named Sean Meek and, um, Sean happened to die when he was 18, just a couple of days after he graduated high school from, wow. from a disease called Bright's disease, which is a kidney disease. And, um, you know, back in the day, this was, this would have been uh, probably early seventies or so, something around there, late sixties, early seventies when he passed, mm-hmm. um, you know, now you just go to the hospital and, and, you know, you're fine, but but so I'm named after uh, in his legacy for uh, so it's a kind of a, a double thing, right? I've, uh, eight years trying to have me and then also had me, um, you know, af- named after after my uncle who passed. So I guess I was they say that there's a lot of expectations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. When I, after I was born. So I can understand that, man. So you have the richness of two legacies now uh, that you're living up to. You got uncle. 
for your namesake. Uh, but then you have your dad and your parents who had, um, I guess, been trying for, you said, eight years. Eight years. Wow. Yeah, right. well, it screams like a crazy amount of time, right? So how early did they tell you the story? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I don't really remember um, knowing that until I was probably in as a teenager, a young teenager, you know, mm -hmm. uh, when I first came across that that concept that they had they tried. Because my parents were always so much older than all of my friends, right? Yeah. So I think it, it was just kind of an obvious question. Finally, it was like, Dad's got gray hair, and he's like at the t-ball uh, <laughs> practice. <you know? laughs> so it, it's all good, though. But they, they ended up being incredible parents. And I think probably they've had an impact on me on why I've waited so long was because of how – how well they raised me and, you know, just their maturity when they raised me. Oh yeah. I can understand. And you're probably getting some sweet nuggets, man. So <laughs> your dad's like, it was, so he was like coaching still and doing the T-ball and all that. Yeah. I think that was one of the, the things that I, you know, later in life, you really understand how incredible owning your own business is because if you have that time freedom, right. Where you right. were able to control your time. And so dad was always there, at, you know, and I, I was a sports junkie growing up, right. I played every possible sport, right. Yeah. Baseball, basketball, football, golf, soccer, swimming, um, all of them, you know, and dad was always there to, uh, to take me. And, and so I, I think that that's just an incredible thing where you're able to, you know, to be at all those practices and everything. Hmm. Well, that is awesome. I'm just trying to think like, so where were you guys at uh, geographically when all this was going on? Uh, what do you mean by that? Like where, where did you guys live? Where's it? Uh, yeah. So I grew up in Sand Springs. I mean, you, you, you know, you got to remember you are Sean Byerly. Yeah, so uh, yeah. You could call you and you'll be in Miami one day. <laughs> next thing you know, you're in Tahlequah and it's like, bro, like really? Like, yeah, so yeah. geographically, yeah. that's why I got to use the word cause you could be anywhere in the globe. You uh, know what I mean? That's true. That's true. I am I'm the traveler. Yeah. I, uh, I grew up in Sand Springs. Right. And I, I think where I started to really understand how much, um, amazing things that my hat my dad had with his business and everything where mm -hmm. you know we um he has a, he had a life insurance brokerage and so one of the things that you one of the big perks of that the industry is that if you do a lot of business with a certain company they will you know they'll give you these incredible incentive trips that you qualify for mm -hmm. so i was the only child until age uh, age nine or so mm -hmm. and so mom and dad would always take me on trips you know with those trips you know to the to all over the world, you know, yeah. international trips. I mean, nice. right now they don't fly you where they used to fly you, but you know, back in the day they would take you to places like Monte Carlo and, you know, wow. I, mean, I remember Jamaica being the first one that I really remember because I was about five or six then. And, you know, I've got some, still some great pictures that are some of my favorite pictures with my dad yeah. at insurance conventions and stuff. Um, so yeah, I think that was where I started to get my love of travel, I think, from a very early age. Yeah, right. how could you not? Like, right, you right. start seeing, like, wait a minute, there's right. more to life than Sand Springs? Yeah, right. I thought right. Walmart was the great divide. <laughs> <laughs> what, is, yeah. what, what is the other, what is that other town that's on the other side? I don't, Sepulpa was already. No, right. so there's, like, Sepulpa, and then oh, there's... Prattville. Prattville, yeah, that's the yeah, one. Yeah. Like, it, for those of you that are here in town, like, you, you won't even know Prattville's a thing. Uh, I just happened to used to DJ out there, and they right. used to say that all the right. time. I was like, Prattville. I was like, you mean Sand Springs? And they're like, no, we're different. I was like, stop <laughs> it. South Carolina and North Carolina are different. That's right. You guys are full of it. <laughs> well, well, we were separated by that Arkansas River, right? Yeah. So, so like, growing up, we would have, you know uh, – in Sand Springs, they combine when you go to high school, but in yeah. grade school at the time, you would play against the kids from across the river. I so gotcha. there was a big rivalry going down. Oh, so, that, so there was yeah. some beef. I got yeah, it. Yeah, there was beef. So now let me ask you, what is it like for Sean, you know, growing up? Obviously, you're getting a chance to, to travel a lot, but what is, it, what is the practical fatherhood stuff like? Is dad like, you know, playing catch with you after work? Are you guys like, because, uh, you know, everybody does stuff differently. And, sure. I, and I find real joy in finding out, like, what does that really look like? Some people, like their dads, like built tents with them. Like, what do you guys do for fun? Yeah, so that's a great question. I think, you know, my best memories of dad before my parents started adopting, right? So mm -hmm. that's a, a big kind of unique thing in our families we started adopting children when I was about nine but um you know my, those first nine years honestly my all the all of my best memories with my father were either going to his office or him picking me up from school or just the sports right I mean that he was a sports junkie too I and so we, we just really um 
you know, uh, bonded around sports. What's the favorite one? I know but it's going to be hard up, to pick one. Up, yeah. I mean, my first love was, was baseball. Really? Yeah. My first love was baseball because you, you just get to play so many games growing up. And I come from a huge baseball family, right? Okay. Like, so my uncle was is Stan Meek, and he was the um, he ran the Miami Marlins uh, draft mm-hmm. for 17 years. So he, Stan just retired, but he was the head coach of baseball, uh, a head coach of OU baseball for a year. Wow. And and so he just he sleeps and, and drinks baseball still. And, yeah. You know, and so I grew up with that, and you know, coming from a baseball family, it was just nothing but baseball for so what seven, was your seven or eight years. You know, I, I was pitcher. I threw. I, I of course, you were a pitcher. Yeah. That's how it works yeah. when your dad is the the, the boss. You That's know? right. I was a pitcher, <laughs> and then you know, but when you're growing up, you don't you don't pitch every game, right? Yeah. So I I love to play third base, and I always wanted to play catcher because that was kind of like the the oh. dirty grunt job that you still got to throw people out, right? No and stuff. way. But uh, they would never let me play catcher unless we were playing this really bad team. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it didn't matter. It didn't matter. So I so love great. it. I love it. So uh, what was your um, what was your family uh, support structure like? So y- your uncles. So wh- how many how many brothers and sisters did your parents have? Yeah. So uh, my my dad grew up in California actually. Okay. And so uh, he he moved back um, in in uh, his high when he went to high school. So, but my, my mom had, uh, you know, Sean died, but he, yeah, she, he has two other siblings. So she's got, um, two older siblings. And then, um, my, my, my dad had three other siblings, but they all stayed in California. So I never really got close with my dad's family in California. Uh, It was always with my mom's side of the family who was local here in Oklahoma. I think that's everyone's family is right. how that works. Right. That's how that works. Kind of pick one. Yeah, you just got to go and say, this is the closest one. This is what we're doing. Or this is the furthest one, and this is what we're doing. That's right. Uh, so as you're going into, let's say, okay, you're nine years old, mm-hmm. about to go to 10. We're fixing to start having adopted kids coming into the house. Are your parents including you in that conversation? Or is it more like, hey, this is what we're doing. Get excited. Or is it like, hey, do you want to kind of a conversation? Yeah, I mean, this is quite raw to, to talk to, to talk about this, <laughs> yeah. honestly. But I'll just be very vulnerable and open with you and your audience. I honestly, for the first, you know, couple years that I had had siblings like I I I love the idea of it right Mm -hmm. and so my mom my mom was always saying my heart's big enough for for many many kids and and that was true she Mm -hmm. she was it was but um you know it's kind of like the new puppy syndrome right like that they get a new puppy and all of a sudden like you're the kid who who's you know put on the back burner so to speak so to answer your question directly no I don't ever remember them sitting me down and going Hey, you know, how do you feel about this? And yeah. do, you, do you love this? And blah, blah, blah. And honestly, I, for, for three or four years there, because we had two really quickly. Sarah and Adam came along um, when like nine and 11. Oh, wow. And then Freddie came along when I was, I think, 14 or 15. And Wait, so you had two that came and immediately made you a middle child? No, I'm the oldest. Still. Oh, okay. I'm the oldest. Okay. Yeah. But, um, but it was just, you know, Sarah came from a very unique circumstance, um, and then Adam came, was the only traditional actual one from the hospital. Mm. Um, but, you know, you thir- 12, 13, 14-year-old boys who are, you know, kind of starting to hit that pre, pre-pubescent time in their life, mm-hmm. and, and now you've got these two other siblings who are much younger and, you know, had some... I wouldn't call it behavioral issues, but they were, they weren't easy babies, you know, to of raise. Course not, and, yeah. and so, um, so I, I kind of gave them hell for a long time. I'll be totally honest with you. Like, you know, I antagonized them and, and there was just, I didn't know how, how, how to cope with it, you know, for a while when I yeah. was, when I was a young kid. So, um, but now we're, we're fine now. I mean, everyone's cool. You know, we're not super, super close, but but we love and respect each other and, and we're just all very different people. But, uh, you know, it was a it was a really interesting time in my life because I was, you know, trying to become a, a, a an adult. some you know, I guess a, a teenager adult. <laughs> if that's the right way to say that. So is there just two? Was there just two? Um, no, there's three. OK. So, yeah. So Freddie came to us through, um, you know, when through our church. So. Um, you know, in, in the, 
in the Christmas time around Christmas and Thanksgiving, you know, you go out and, and the church goes out and, and does some um, shopping for needy families. Mm-hmm. And we happened to be in a supermarket and, you know, Freddie was there and he was, he was the oldest of like 10 and his biological mom was having children every year. And, and he was there like trying to buy diapers for the whole family. And he was like 12 years old. And I look, I actually saw him walking out of the supermarket and he couldn't balance his bicycle because there was too many diapers. And wow. He, and so it was really cold. So my mom, I said, mom, like, look at this kid, like put him in our car and take him home. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the story goes from there. So, wow. So you took the oldest? What do, what do you mean? Took the oldest from the family? Like, the adopted him? Oh, well, I mean, we didn't take him. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know what I mean. I mean, like. <laughs> well, I mean it was an awful situation, so I think yeah. that needs to be, you know, yeah. when we got back to his house, it, I mean, no, no heat and air. I mean, wow. you know, insects. It was just really, really bad. And wow. Freddie was failing in school at the time, and yeah. so we got him into a home and, um, you know, he immediately turned his life around and now he's a huge success story and, and Beautiful. it's been, a. are you guys close? Yeah. Freddie and I talk quite often. Yeah. 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 So he's got that business mindset. We like to talk, you know, talk entrepreneurship and business and that kind of stuff. So. I love it. I love it. So did you guys still go on trips and stuff the same or? I know yeah. insurance changed a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, know, the, the insurance way. trips changed. That, yeah. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, those, those trips weren't, you know, accompanied by the whole family anymore, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but yeah, I think some of our best memories growing up, you know, we, we were a family that went to Destin, Florida before the whole entire Midwest yeah. <laughs> goes to Destin, Florida now, but we, we everybody just, got COVID in one year yeah. from Destin, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Right. Uh, we were down there. That's actually the final trip as a family that we took with mom and dad is was to Destin before dad passed and is kind of a, a stroll down memory lane but yeah the family trips were great you know I mean we still have great memories from those trips wow so okay so what year did you think that you started to be like you know what dad I see you I see what you did with grandpa and followed his footsteps I think I want to step into uh, this family legacy as far as work goes. Yeah. How did that process go for you? Yeah. So, so just to clarify, it wasn't, I'm, I'm not generation three, I'm generation two. Oh, right? generation two. Yeah. Okay. So, sorry. I had so that, so my father's dad passed when he was seven years old. So dad, oh, no. I, I never, I never knew my, my grandpa on my dad's side. Um, but I, and I think that's what propelled him just to be such an amazing dad was he, mm-hmm. he never had that experience with his, his father, but, um, so I was generation two. So, um, I went to, to OU for three, three years. And then honestly, I was like, I'm wasting my parents' money. Like I have absolutely no idea what I want to do. You know, uh, I, I have no passions. Around. And that's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I love it. Um, so, so I said, okay, well, and I'd gone through this really bad breakup, which was the only, only one I'd ever really, really had at that time. And mm-hmm. so, I asked my parents, I was like, I need to get the hell out of Oklahoma and just you know, go do something different with my life for a year or two and, and kind of, you know, find myself, so to speak. So, so I ended up getting on Google and, uh, which was back in the day was, it wasn't like the, the Google, you know? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. I remember yeah, the Google. I mean, Yahoo was the thing. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yahoo was where it was yeah, at. That's right. So why mail <laughs> <laughs> or AOL.com or MySpace. Yeah. Oh, uh, top anyway, 10 friends. Right? I think, I think we're really ruining our our audience they, yes, know, we, they uh, know how old we are yes we are. <laughs> <laughs> we're both 42 if you haven't learned that's it that's a good number though so um so i just found this place in rome uh italy called john cabot university and it was an american university in italy and i um i applied and i got accepted and i went and i didn't know a person you know in the entire country period wow. and so it was a big step a leap of faith but it was probably the inflection point of my life mm-hmm. because it just changed my perspective so much like and you, you hit on it earlier like about you know like the end of the world's not the walmart right? <laughs> yeah and, and i think you know a lot of a lot of americans who haven't had the opportunity to travel you know, I would say that's probably the biggest thing that you can do to change your mindset or to change your uh, ability to think, you know, in a growth mindset is, is just to go out there and see how 
rest of the world does it. And, yeah. And I, and so that was a big, big learning lesson for me was to kind of get out of the Oklahoma bubble. And it changed a lot of the ways on how I think and, and who I am. And, um, and so it was a great learning experience. So do know. me a favor for those of us that have never been You're how old now? When I, when I went, yeah. I was 22. 22. So you're 22 year old Sean Byerly. Piss and vinegar, just rocking and rolling, right? Your your hot stuff, Mister OU. Get off the plane, get through customs. What's it like? What are you thinking, like right then? Is it like, holy crap, what did I do? Or well, it was like, Dad, save me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I had an American Express card. I'll just say that. You know, <laughs> keeping it real, real. Yeah. Uh, uh, so. So, yeah, it, it was good. I mean, um, I didn't realize at the time what this was, right? right? So when I when I applied, I was like, um, it's just a place in Italy for me to go and, and you know, plant a flag and, and learn. It happened to be one of the best experiences ever because, A, the quality of the professors was just phenomenal, right? I mean, you had right. people who were um, teaching at Harvard and Yale in their, mm-hmm. in their prime and now are retired there. And then, um, and then it, there was a lot of students from uh, that were American that were just coming in for a semester, right? And so, but then you also had a whole nother, it was actually a four-year university. So you had, at the time, I didn't know this, but I ended up starting going to school with like just really elite kids from, from Rome, but also um, diplomats' children from all over the world whose parents wow. were diplomats to Italy and were living in Rome. And so I was just this bright-eyed kid from Tulsa, you know, and I, I was like, man, I thought I had a little money. Like, I ain't got anything yeah. compared to these kids, you know. <laughs> like, they, they, you know, f- you know, flashing up in their Ferrari, and, yeah. and, and I, I, it was just crazy. So it, it was uh, a lot of new culture, right? I mean, right. I always knew that I, I wanted to study Italian, and I always wanted to learn. Do you speak Italian? Well, it's it's gone, man. It's gone. Now, my Spanish is on point because I lived in Miami for six years, right? I got you. So, uh, and, you know, and I That's did. not too far. What? Italy and, and Spanish, the language. Oh, no, no. They're all la- yeah, they're Latin-based. They're, I mean, yeah, they're pretty I, good. Now, I could actually understand a lot more Italian than I could when I when I lived in Italy because of my the, the Spanish, right? I got The Latin-based. But so, so um, what was the original question? The original we question went, we went is you, you, off a tangent. Well, you there. know, it happens. It you does. Know, it, it happens. Does. When you get it to does. American I, I Express, felt excited. You, can just, <laughs> you can just do whatever you want is so what it is. I, I felt excited, man. I mean, it was an incredible experience, and I came back from that experience a totally different person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, did you feel lost at any point, like where you when you got off, or did they have guides for you, or like what? Because so the reason why I ask is because you know there's there's a a group of men that are listening, uh, that are that have kids that are either going to college sure. or wanting to do these studying abroad type things. Sure. You know what I mean? And it's like they don't know. You know what I mean? Because they grew up rural Oklahoma or yep. rural wherever they live, and they're thinking, you know, you don't need to get that experience over there. And if I send you daughter or son, like they're going to do the hostel to you and cut you up <laughs> in little pieces. and You know what I mean? So it's just like I'm just trying to get a visual of, you know, when you get off the plane and you're walking into completely unforeseen territory. Sure. And you don't speak the language. Sure. It's like what was it like to adapt to that? And, you know, uh, you know, I, you know, obviously so you already me, covered the experience. So it was challenging, you know, and it, like, I love the challenge. Like I went, I did that by myself yeah. because I wanted the challenge, you know, I wanted to see how I was a total fish out of water and how that would, I would cope with that. And what would be that experience now? Of course there was support there. Right. I mean, yeah, John yeah. Cabot is that, I mean, there, everyone spoke English. The classes were in English. Okay. Um, and you know, there was, you immediately start to, to, um, meet people. I mean, I was living with three guys that were American that I'd never met before. So, oh, okay. so it was, so, and so, so Tulsa wasn't a completely foreign language No. or at uh, least Oklahoma. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> there was two guys from New York and a guy from LA. And it's funny. Cause when I travel, they always say New York, you're from New York. <laughs> no, I'm from Oklahoma. Right. Is that by New York? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's right next yeah. to it. Thank Just say north of texas man. That's, that's that's the best way you that's can the do best way Oklahoma in the world north of north texas. of texas man they're like oh texas dallas or i'll say tornadoes are the bombing yeah. and they'll usually be like oh yeah that oklahoma yeah and i'll be like yeah yeah, yeah it's crazy so 
Now, as you have started to, you know, kind of grow and develop Mm -hmm. uh, as an adult, like what are some of the principles that you're just so grateful that your dad uh, was able to, you know, instill in you and to, you know, kind of give you the, um, because one of the things that, you know, for those that don't know us, that, uh, you know, one of the things that we rallied around when we first met was like how excited you were to know that there was an organization that was celebrating dads because you were just truly and you know usually it's the opposite where people are like i hate my dad or i'm a dad that gets treated like crap Uh, but you were just like no i had an amazing dad and he's got a legacy and it's great and i want to be a part of anything that's doing this for dads yes and so like what was some of those things that he foundationally set you with uh that helped you to be who you are today Sure. So my, my dad and I's relationship was just really special from the very beginning, you know, and I think, and it never changed, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we never argued, we never fought. We he was just a, a very special person in himself. I, this is kind of profound to say, but I like, I never, ever, uh, had anyone ever say one word negatively about my father to me in my entire life. Wow. I mean, that, and it sounds like that's an embellishment, but it's not. Like, my, my dad, he had that very rare ability to connect with any personality, you know, and I think that is a gift from God. I mean, you know, I certainly don't have that. Hey, that's, that's, <laughs> that's that inner salesman, man. You got to be that sales guy. Yeah, man. I think, you know, his character, when I think of my father, I immediately think of his character, mm. you know, and just how naturally gifted he was with people. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was he was always positive. I think that's now that he's gone, we're coming up on day 100 of, of him being gone. And, oh, wow. And I think, you know, always positive. He had a very kind heart. He was um, a humble leader. Uh, and I think the, the best thing with dad was he, he was just an incredibly, he listened with deep empathy, you mm-hmm. know, and he, you could always go to him and talk to him. Um, and he was never judgmental in my, in my eulogy with, at his funeral. I, uh, I said, there's two quotes that always stick with me about dad. Um, you know, the first was that mother and they're both by mother Teresa it says, if you, if you, if you judge someone, you don't have no time to love them, right? If you judge somebody, you don't have time to love them. And I think dad's dad never allowed judgment to get in the way of love, mm-hmm. right? And I, and I, and that's a very, very profound skill. I mean, that's a lot of emotional intelligence, a lot of work. Um, but he just had that, he had that aura about him to where his children always wanted to be around him and always wanted to, and valued his input and, and, um, you know, and his wisdom and how he would parent us. Is, hmm. that, is that enough there? No, I, listen, it's your show, bro. You no, go no, in. no. I mean, I, can, I, I, I can love keep it. on going and going. You, you know? go, listen, you got time. Um, I, I guess the, the only thing else I would say about my dad, who, what he really taught me was, um, perseverance. Mm-hmm. You know, he, my father's, uh, health was, um, basically perfect until age 70. So, um, he was like the robot, you know, I mean, growing up, he never missed work. I mean, never got sick, never had colds, you know, I've got these allergies in Oklahoma <laughs> and I get sinus infections every damn, every time it changes 10 degrees in this state, yeah. you know, but dad was just like smooth. And so, but, um, you know, he had, he had some issues, um, financial issues that I won't get into here, but, and, and then we came through, we actually got into this big fight with the IRS and came out of it. We won, we beat the IRS. I mean, who can say that? Right. Yeah. So, but he it was really stressful on him and, I, and I'm, and I'm like 99% sure that what happened was that stress caused him to have a stroke. And, Absolutely. And, you know, they say, doctors say that it all starts with stress, right? Those three uh, letters are some of the most terrifying letters you'll ever say in a sentence. What's that? IRS. Oh. <laughs> Bro, it, oh, I'm yeah. not even kidding. I've watched a many a people have perfect lives until they show up and say, I want because it's it's almost like immediately you're taught to feel that you're guilty until yeah. proven guilty. Exactly. So like you're fighting for your life to try to prove you didn't do something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they're like, you know, it's funny, like <laughs> the, the Fed, the, this is a joke that they always made in the Feds. It's like, man, the Feds is like Jesus Christ. When they come to you, they already know everything. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> By the time they knock on your door, oh, they hilarious. already know everything. Yeah. 
And so the fact that you guys beat him, that's, I mean, it, it cost him his health uh, due to the stress. But, you know, to, to be able to say, you know, you guys came out on top of that. Right. Was, uh, that's amazing. Yeah, he had, he had a stroke in, uh, on a golf course in Florida in uh, mm. April of 2010. And I remember it because it's the first time and the only time I never went. I, went, I, didn't, I turned down golf to go shopping on South Beach with mom and sister. <laughs> wow. And, uh, and then he was one of those things that was like a kind of a slow stroke where, anyway, he, he, ended, up, he ended up losing his, most of his left side. And, and uh, thankfully, he didn't, you know, it didn't affect his brain, you mm-hmm. know, thank the Lord. But um, so he, he had a, a long road, you know, for, to get back uh, off of that golf course. We stayed in Florida about a month down there for rehab and everything. And so, um, you know, perseverance, what I was talking about, it was – you know, from he, he passed away at 82 and and he had his stroke at 70, 70. So those last 12 lot, 12 years were a major test to his character, you know, but he, he aced it. You know, I mean, to be to be completely honest with you, I can't even remember my father before his stroke. It's like that part of our life where that was perfect before he had it mm-hmm. was uh, a li- another life completely, you know. Wow. Um, and so, you know, but. When I, from the time that I moved back, which was May of 2020 from Miami to Tulsa, um, you know, his day-to-day routine was a, a constant challenge, you know, I mean, and so mom, mom was a, the Michael Jordan of caregiving. And, um, I will say this, my, my, my father was, my father did not have long-term care insurance. And yeah. I, and if, and if people are out there who are, you know, 45 to 55 years old, I, I, I am such a big believer in long-term care insurance. Our family didn't have it, and it would have been a big, big blessing if we'd have it. So, oh, yeah. um, you know, look at that, especially for dads, because uh, they're almost they're the ones that always usually go need it first, right? Correct. And, and so, uh, anyway, that little segue. But, um, you know, he, he never complained, though. That was one of the incredible things about my father when he was going through this whole thing. He, he was not a complainer. He was facing situations, you know, on a daily basis that would challenge anyone's character, but he was a warrior and he just kind of pressed through, you know, and I, I never respected my father more than the last couple months of his life. Um, you know, no, no matter how many setbacks or health failures or, or obstacles, like he never gave up, you know, he picked himself up, he dusted himself off you know, and there were some ch- challenges that were, you know, frankly, just he lost his dignity, you mm. know, but he overcame it, you know, and and so but he and he was always that very gentle, smiling soul while he was battling. And in my book, that level is of, of just, you know, spiritual strength. That's greatness to me. So yeah. so those those are the those are the two things I think I take care of him is how humble he was, how how great a listener he was. Uh, for his children and then just that that spirit of perseverance at the end of his life so this is probably going to be a hard question but i'm going to ask it anyway i just like, to I like hard questions <laughs> Bring them uh because you know i always ask the young dads you know if you wanted your children to know one thing you know when you go uh you know what is that thing or what do you want people to say about you so when you were at the funeral and your dad's, you know, people are coming to speak, what were some of the things that really kind of stood out to you where you were just like, wow, you know, that's great to hear. Other people have this viewpoint uh, of my dad and to be able to pass that, uh, his legacy in this manner. What were some of the things that were said about him that were really standing out to you that, you know, really kind of touched your heart? Sure. So we had four speakers uh, speak at my father's funeral. Uh, I went first, and then my younger brother Freddie went, and then his two best friends. Uh, my, my parents had this really cool thing in their life where they had four couples who uh, traveled the world together for forty years, mm. and um, they all started a business together. So my dad and these three other guys, and about another five other guys, started a, an insurance brokerage in the in the mid eighties, and it grew from like seven offices to now there's fifty five offices across the country. So wow. So, um, and then they would always take trips. It was these four couples, you know, and so two of the four or spoke at my father's, um, funeral and the other one would have spoke, but he had already passed. Mm. So, um, so when they were just talking about my dad, I mean, my dad had 
Um, something that I just am so grateful for is, is just how funny my dad was. Mm -hmm. Like he was hilarious and he did it in a very subtle way. Like his wit was by far the best wit I've ever had anybody come across of. And like everyone at my funeral, at my dad's funeral talked about just how smart he was. I mean, he had the ability to throw out some serious one-liners and it was just like, <laughs> it was like, everyone's just like, that's genius. No one's even going to try and compete with that, you know, yeah. you know? Um, and then I think, um, you know, how, what else is about my dad? Did they talk about just, um, I think how consistent he was, you know, I mean, consistency they say is like the, the most, um, it's uh, one of the seven secrets. Is it a father? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, consistency, he, he was that steady calm, you know, that's the biggest trust builder Is it in the world. Consistency. Makes like, a lot of sense. I mean, if you just think about the people that you trust and value the most, it's not the guy that is not answering the phone. It's not the guy that doesn't show up when you need him to. It's the guy that no matter what, sleet or shine, right. they are there. You know, right. that's why people use the post office for so long. Right. It was just they guaranteed it. Rain, sleet or shine, you know. That's right. And that's it was well like, said. it's the first one, you know. It, it, it's raining outside, yep. you know. I, I need you to. Sorry, that was a Seinfeld reference in my head. <laughs> I, I was thinking about when Newman said, I don't work in the rain. And he was like, rain, sleet, snow. It's the first one. You got to go. But anyway, that was a whole nother thing. But, man, yeah. I'm going to be honest, man. I don't like Seinfeld, bro. Sorry. Are you a friends person? I don't. I, I, I just, I just don't think Jerry Seinfeld is funny, man. That's just it. Uh -huh. I, All right, so it was great having <laughs> you on the show. Uh, hey, hey, handle the truth. <laughs> I was about to say we gotta get one of those true things coming up. Um, no, I, it, it, you know, it's not for everybody. It's you not know? for everyone. You know, you yeah, had your dad. He, he was quick witted. You yeah. know, so I guess. Yeah. You know, Seinfeld wasn't on your speed. I get it. He wasn't. So I just <laughs> never got into that show, man. So, but uh, and then the second quote was. You know, Mother Teresa said that if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. And, and and so, you know, you, I think um, just what what you have done with Birthright Living Legacy up to this point, man, and I'm all in for as long as I'm on this earth to help you grow it, is, is that how you show up to your children causes ripple effects for generations. And, you know... Um, Anything that, that me and my siblings will accomplish or have accomplished in our lives, dad's unconditional love was and will be a foundational element in our success. And yeah. so that's why if I can tell my dad's story and, and me and our relationship and what he meant to our family, hopefully it can inspire somebody who's listening to be to try and live up to that goal, which is just to be as good a dad as my dad was to your children. Yeah. And, it, and, you know, there is no manual. So, you know, whatever that looks like for your family uh, is huge. And, you know, that's why we appreciate telling the stories of dads is because, you know, they come in such a mixed bag. You know, everybody thinks that there's some cookie cutter way that, oh, you know, I can't be like Sean's dad. I, I can't take long trips. It's like, yeah, but you could go to Arkansas River and throw throw stones. You know yeah. what I mean? You can do yeah. whatever it is that works for your family. You know, that's right. Um, or, you know, get your four friends that you guys just go barbecuing every weekend, That's whatever right. that looks like, That's you right. know, it's just being able to have those rich relationships and those principles being able to be passed on. Because, I mean, like I said, he girded up you or he girded you up to be able to travel on your own, to be able to be a man on your own yep. and just really kind of spread your wings and say, you know, what does this world have to offer? That's right. And since then, now you've been able to, you know, speak in different places, be all over the United States of the America as well as the other country you said you've been in all all seven man have you been in antarctica that's really one time and only though man i'm never going back to that place. is it really cold oh man i'm so glad i did it like michigan cold or like no like antarctica cold bro. like unheard of like crazy cold yeah wow yeah crazy cold but hey, let me let me let me say one thing though um you know, we've been, you know, putting my dad on this amazing pedestal, which mm -hmm. which he 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 deserves 100 percent. But I think also that, you know, um, he was human, too. Right. He wasn't perfect. And I, I think the one thing that I wish he would have taught me uh, that I didn't get was self-discipline. And I think that if you know, for the fathers out there, uh, self-discipline is so, so, so important. And you know, I'm, I'm a big reader. I've been on a 15 year personal development journey. Hmm. Um, and there's thousands of success principles out there. Right? Yeah. 
And, Absolutely. But none of them work without self-discipline. None. Right. And <sighs> and so, you know, if self-discipline is it, you're not you're not trying to be disciplinary all the time right <laughs> right i mean that you don't disciplinary need to, you don't is need, what you do to others right you don't need Discipline to be a general is what right you do to yourself <laughs> yes yes so so it's that like i wish he would have you know and he and he he had a great work ethic like he was himself disciplined right mm-hmm. he was just not in his nature to try and instill that in me for whatever reason and i, and I think yeah, you were caught not taught yeah you got to watch it you know what I mean? He did. It's but one I, of those things that when you're when you have a close relationship with somebody that's a lot about that life, like you start to notice it when you see other people that are not about that life. And then you have that juxtaposition to go, oh, this is why dad is so much more successful than Mr. John or right. Mr. Brown that right. lives down the street. This dude is sitting here drinking beers every time I come down here. Right. Dad's over there filling out paperwork. Right. When, when we should be, or when, you know, everybody says that he should be doing a thing, he's actually doing another thing and waking up earlier to do two more things. And then Johnny's dad is down here wasted and he can tell you every football player that ever played and the plays that they made and, right. and can't throw, uh, you know, nothing but his voice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. It's a good point. I, I, I didn't, I wasn't self-aware enough at the time to, mm-hmm. to, and I wasn't looking, you know, at that. Like I self-discipline's interesting, man. You're going to pay that tab eventually, you know? And, and sometimes yes, you know. you're going to, you're going to pay that tab at an age in life where you don't want to pay that tab. And I don't want to pay it right now. Right. I, you know, I can be disciplined at work. I can be di- disciplined in a lot of things, but right. food is killing me. Right. Health right. is probably the worst. And it doesn't matter how much money you have. Like you, there's no Wakanda no. pill that exists <laughs> to just magically fix your health. You know what I mean? Nope. You, you know, Steve Jobs was arguably one of the richest men at the time when he died, and it just doesn't do anything for you. That's and right. so that's yeah, I got a lot of disciplines, but mastering self is probably and 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 I love that you talked about how long of a journey that's been. Because a, a lot of people think that it, it just journey, happens. Dude. Oh, well, what book do I need to read? Well, there's about 20 of them to get you started. Yeah, You know what I mean? And they will all suggest other ones, but they all have call to action. Yeah. And that's where everybody misses it is like, you know, they're like, I read the book. It's like, yeah, but did you do the work? Exactly. They're like, what do you mean? He's like, uh, you skimmed the book. Because if you read it, it tells you there's a lot of things. You should have a stack of journals that go with these books because there's a lot of stuff that they tell you to do. Well, it's a lot easier to read another book. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, yeah, this I is mean, true. It's, it, it is the action. Like, I did that for a couple of years. Just read, 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 read. And you're like, man, you're not going to read yourself into a new character, a mm-hmm. new, a new uh, you know, you change your, your, your life by thinking, acting, and feeling different. Right? Ooh, I mean, come on now. That's how you change your life, right? It you got to think different. You got to act different. You got to feel different. And um, so... It's been a really long journey, Marquise. I mean, no BS. I mean, and I've had, you know, um, and and success isn't linear either, right? I mean, you, you know, you try and and then you fall, stumble and you fall and then you got to get back up on that horse and and uh, continue to try and press forward. So, yeah, I mean, what's what's been my biggest thing for my success is that I am just relentless and like, I will, I just will not give up. Like I, I don't, you know, if I fall down 110 times, I'm going to get back up 111. That's it. You know? And that's, that's the art of, I think greatness when it comes to personal development is like, and you got to be kind to yourself, man. Like I used to beat myself up way too much for, for not going as fast as I wanted to. I've always, I've oh, always struggled with patience, you know, yeah. like I want it today. We all want to get there today. We, yeah. We we want that microwave life. Right. <laughs> success is a crock pot that keeps breaking that's, in the middle. That's right. <laughs> like you yeah. gotta know how to weld porcelain. It's yeah. a you just you can't you can't uh well, well how do I say this best? You um it, it's it's important to be happy even though your life isn't perfect right there, right? Yeah. And it's like even though you're stumbling or even though you you're you know facing tribulations, you know, if you know, Tony Robbins says that the, there's two really important skills that you got to master in life. And one of them is the ability to change your state and, and to be able to, you know, if you're in a really down 
crappy mood and things aren't going right, like, do you have the ability to stop and maybe breathe for 30 seconds and, and say three or four things you're grateful for and to change your, not just no BS, like, Oh, I feel better now. Like I went from frustrated to grateful in about three minutes. And I did that through a conscious process. So that 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 was something that changed my life was like all right man like you got to start living in more gratitude like you have so many great things about your life and who you are and but then you're always you know I'm, i haven't done this yet or i haven't accomplished this yet yeah. like like being more present and being more grateful for what you have done and where you're going like you've got to you've got to enjoy the journey the journey that's it, it. you got to enjoy the journey man because the destination you'll be depressed yeah. you know because you always want end. more yeah and, and so I love that you brought up Tony Robbins. He talks about uh, joy, the difference between joy and happiness. You know, he said, imagine it as a river. Mm. You know, happiness is what happens to you. It's mm. like jumping in a river and then just kind of floating to wherever the river goes. That's right. You know, and eventually you're going to hit some rocks some 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 cliffs some falls. He said, but joy is knowing that I'm going from destination to destination. Love it. You know, and so I was like, Wow. You know, no matter what happens, joy you can still have. Right. But and happiness is determined basically solely on what happens to you. That's right. He also says that, you know, the art of fulfillment, right? So, like, a lot of people are chasing external success, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the things, the materialism, right? And it's like, it, he says that it, um, not being fulfilled and having success is the ultimate failure. And that hit me like a, like a lightning bolt, you know, like, man, if I'm not fulfilled, like if I don't have internal joy, no matter what happens in my career or business or whatever, if I'm not every day waking up like fulfilled Fulfilled. with internal joy, then I'm doing something wrong. You're going to do what all the other rich people do is kill themselves or find themselves heavily addicted into things. We were watching this movie or this show called Loot. Uh, where this lady uh, divorces her husband, cheats on her or whatever, leaves her. She gets $27 billion in the breakup. And so she's at home, like, sitting there, eating by herself, depressed. 200 people work in her house, you know, and I said, and I told my wife, I said, that's what it looks like if you don't do success right. So true. And she was like, well, what do you mean? I said, this is why they kill themselves with all that money. I said, because you have no one to share it with. Right. I said, the sucky part is you can't take your childhood friends, for the most part, with you on the journey because they can only hold you to who you were. Right. But then when you switch to the next ones, because you don't have the same amount of time with, you won't be able to trust if these people are in your lives for the right reasons. Yep. So if you don't learn how to fulfill yourself inwardly, you're going to be looking for external acceptance from people and it's going to put you on this road that you just can't win on. Yeah, so you get something I think that's important to say, which is, you know, you're, I have a group of friends that I talk to every single day via text message on these group texts. Mm-hmm. We love to talk about football and, you know, and almost every single one of them is married and has kids and everything. Yeah. And I grew up with these guys and I do anything for them. Like I love yeah. them like my brothers, you know. But they don't think like me, yeah. you know? And so, like, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I, the, the thing I say is sometimes you have to eliminate before you elevate, right? I got the same dr- group thread right yeah, here. I'm looking at it, right? And I love it. I love it, but, like, when it comes to, like, what you have to talk about, you know, I can't just sit around and talk about what was. Right. They're I, not talking I, about Tony Robbins. Yeah. You know, they're, they're not. They're, they're not, not sharpening my thought process. They're, they're not, not. They're not helping. Grow, they're not growing. Yeah. Right. You, and I'm a big believer in if you're, you're either growing or you're dying. Right. That's it. And so like and so I, I think it's really important to go out and intentionally get out of your comfort zone and to go find, you know, five people that you can spend time with who are uh, or who are, you know, kind of winning at the game of life. Yeah. And and learning from them. And being, you know, mentored by them, um, you know, if you, what's that saying? If you, the, the, the five people that you spend the most amount of time with yeah. the average of that. And I, I, gonna, I couldn't agree with that. They're going to tell you your future for real. Yeah, so yeah. Sean, if you could leave us with your last words of wisdom before we jump into the private fatherhood group, uh, we thank you guys for joining us. What do you got for us? Say that one more time. What's your last, uh, your, your last words of wisdom or my, how can people last, find you or you know, if you want to share your business or what you do and when and where, before we jump into the private fatherhood group, uh, what do you want to say to the people? 
Sure. If you want to get in touch with me, I feel like I've given enough wisdom today, man. I don't have anything super witty to end this with, uh, just staying straight up. But um, if you want to contact me, I'm on LinkedIn. You just uh, search Sean Byerly. It's S H A W N B Y E R L Y. Happy to connect. Um, you know, to answer any questions you have or or anything that we've talked about. Um, I, I will tell you one thing I am really super excited about right now. I'm getting this master's degree in uh, family enterprise advising. Ooh. So uh, it's going to be about going and working with multi-generational family businesses uh, for their succession, exit, transition planning. So I don't know if, if the people have seen that show Succession on HBO, but it's uh, it's not to the billionaires of the world, but <laughs> but, but it is to you know, family businesses who are starting to see there that they need to transition that business to the next generation because the statistics are awful, right? I mean, yeah. only about 30% make it to Gen 2, about 13% make it to Gen 3. So 90% of family businesses don't get to the grandchild. And so our skill set will, and my team of, of, of experts will be able to come in and help uh, any businesses that are family owned with that transition. I love that. I forgot that was the whole thing I went to. Yeah. You talked about that. That was awesome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we thank you again for coming on the podcast, man. And uh, thank you guys for sharing. Make sure to like and post and be able to share and tag anyone in these. Um, you think that would be able to benefit from some of the wisdom and the uh, the journey that our good friend Sean had. But like us. Share us, Birthright Living Legacy Fatherhood Podcast, and join us. We got a couple of events coming up here pretty soon. Make sure to check out our website. And if you are in need of anything as a father, we are the place to come to get you those hopes and resources. We love you. We appreciate you. Birthright Living Legacy. Birthright Living Legacy needs your help. As we are on a mission to help fathers who are needing to overcome obstacles to see their children. We are preparing to provide curriculum, counseling, and family law assistance for any of our fathers. We will also have many fun events to participate in with their children as we build a fatherhood community. Partner with us on Facebook or Instagram and go to our website at brlivinglegacy.com and go to our donation tab on the bottom of the page to make a contribution. For any questions, contact us on any of our platforms as we would love to help. Birthright Living Legacy, changing lives one father at a time.